Hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Do Well podcast. I'm excited today to have a conversation with another remarkable entrepreneur who's a behavior change and transformation coach. Sart Jean-Gilles is passionate about working with busy home-based entrepreneurs to form healthy habits and improve their overall fitness. He's the founder of SJG Fitness, and today we're going to have a conversation about all things around energy, habits, and behavior change. Sart, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat today. So tell me a little bit about your background, how you got to doing what you're doing now. Well, I guess my background probably started when I basically was, I think the influence of my family, having a lot of family members who are in the healthcare space definitely influenced me along with the fact that both of my parents were teachers back in Haiti where they lived. So they taught me the importance of learning and teaching from an early age. And I, when I was preteen, I just, I started to, you know, change, of course, as we all do. And I started to get interested in strength training and playing basketball and sports. Both in, I was a sport, I was an athlete when I was a kid, like I love sports playing in the neighborhood, but I wasn't really like a, a playing organized sports, but that kind of kicked in more so when I was a teenager. And with that change came an interest in, in, in athletics and in health. And that, you know, rolled into university where, you know, I took my human kinetics undergrad from the University of Ottawa. And that was very interesting. Getting a more science-based background in health and fitness really struck with me how important this is. And, you know, with the change in, in the population health and whatnot. So working after that in a physiotherapy clinic for a year really solidified my interest in in health and wellness, though I did have a bit of a detour, taking a teaching English in Japan for three years, coming back after that, I was in the health space again in marketing in Vancouver, I'm helping people, especially senior citizens with what's called the personal emergency response system. So marketing to all of the senior citizens in that area so that they can have their, you know, if they have a fall that they can call someone, you know, going to adult day centers and whatnot, talking to the senior citizens. So that population group was, that was very eye-opening too. And coming back to Alberta, I spent one just under a year. There was a healthcare inquiry. So I'm um, getting some background in what's going on in the healthcare space and access to healthcare. That was a very interesting learning opportunity, being an administrator for that. And then working in the well, social welfare space uh, in a feeding program, which is adjacent to healthcare, I guess. People who are experiencing marginalization. I was a manager for what's called the Feed the Hungry program here in Calgary for six years. And, but that's, yeah, that's what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, about two years ago, I decided to come back into the space, which I always wanted to, in, intended to. So got my certification as a personal trainer, kept certified as a kinesiologist. Um, and then this year I attained my fitness behavior coaching certification and here I am with my, my business. I love, I love that arc how, you know, you started somewhere, you kind of went off to Japan. You said three years, yeah. right? Three years in Fukushima before the earthquake. Okay. Teaching lovely kids at three different junior high schools and then going here and there to different uh, elementary schools during their, they have trimesters there. Okay. So. Interesting. Yeah. Was there something that you learned while you were in Japan that you weren't expecting to learn? Obviously the culture is very different, but like, was there something that really stood out to you about Japan? The order, I guess is definitely something that stood out to me. I mean, I didn't actually happen to do an internship in Osaka in the Canadian consulate, which is now closed. One, sum, one summer and just going to the, you know, the train platform from my hostel to, to downtown Osaka 
And just just seeing how orderly people are in terms of lining up on my way to the consulate, either I would walk or I would again take the train and I would look over the bridges and there'd be these shanty towns. These people have developed like the homeless. They have these amazing uh, structures, homes that they've built and, and, and the sense of pride, like even the homeless, they will put their shoes outside. They have a mat because they don't walk in with your shoes on in Japan, right? Most, a lot of cultures, you know, don't do that, but they especially don't do that. And even the homeless don't do that, which that was, and they don't rip up garbage. They untie the garbage if they're going dumpster diving. Everybody has a sense, even the homeless have a sense of belonging in society on some level, which is, which I found astounding. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. I can only imagine that, like seeing, you know, your perception coming from North America of what homeless kind of seems like here. And then you see that there and, you know, that order leaving the shoes out. So the respect that people have for each other and for themselves is amazing. And did you find that you changed as a result of that? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, everywhere you go, there's just, just this order and this calm because people know that I'm not to rock the boat, I guess. And yeah, having gone there, having taken, I did judo there, which was definitely a humbling experience. And you know, these like high school kids, a lot of them are high school kids and they're like half my size and I would, it would be a challenge. And just the respect factor along the way and having to train with the first few months with like the six-year-olds and whatnot, you know? Yeah, it, it, it was very amazing. It definitely changed me to the core, I would say, living there. Absolutely. And I, hopefully it translates into my business in terms of work ethic. Yeah. For example, I would be learning Japanese, trying to take the uh, study for the, sorry, the uh, proficiency exam. Japanese language proficiency test. And I would stay at school, one of the schools that I was working at until like 9 p.m. And the vice principal is still there. You know, I stay there late. He would be there till 9 p.m., 9, 10 p.m. And he would be back there like 5, 6 a.m. And I was just like astounded at the, the devotion the teachers had, you know, the kids. And they would be like, this is just junior high. And they would have like a junior high graduation and the way that the the teachers would just be like because they just they just pour their hearts out like they are they are their parents they are their coaches for sports they are their teachers so they have so much responsibility for the kids during those because every kid is in a is in an after school activity for two hours after after school so just that devotion and just seeing them you know the separation at the end in, in april that's when the school year well march that's when the school year ends. It was, it was just amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Now, this yeah. reminds me of something I, I may have not mentioned in the intro is that you actually like learning languages. Yes. I love learning languages. How They're many awesome. languages do you know now? On different levels. Seven. <laughs> that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. The thing about language learning that I find fascinating, like we, we at home speak a different language than English with our family, with our kids, but my kids also yeah. go to a French school. So they are actually trilingual. And yes, the, the neural connections that you're making when you learn a new language, the first language, I mean, your, your native language is easy, but then the second language you learn is a little bit harder. But then the third yeah. and fourth and fifth, I found with our kids, like they pick it up so easily because there's common rules sometimes in language and the, you know, even the words sound similar. So did yeah. that learning of languages translate into your desire and, and I guess your want to learn more in your business as well? Because you said you, you've combined a scientific approach to, you know, the practical approach from fitness. 
I would say, well, I'm doing these, they call it social media marketing. And I, you definitely know, just saying for the audience. So they call it affinity posts. Every Sunday, I'm an affinity post, kind of talking about things other than fitness and nutrition. And I've been posting about learning, just a little, little bit about me. So I'm, I'm, I'm picking a language each week and just talking about it and what's the little nugget that I'm learning that I can learn from my approach and my relationship with that language and, you know, what it's taught me. And yeah, I agree with what you said about, you know, the language rules. Like what I did with, with Spanish was I actually revised the entire French grammatical, all the tenses about two months before I picked up Spanish because it's all the same. Yeah. The patterns are the same. I mean, the, the way that the suffix are different, but they're still the same pattern. Right. So I did that three months before I started, I picked up Spanish because I knew that it would help me immensely. And yeah, there's just different in terms of languages that, you know, it's, it's, it's similar to fitness in terms of giving yourself a little bit, doing a little bit here and there is so much better than not doing it at all. You know, I try and do micro studies throughout study sessions throughout the day with my languages, because I know that just hitting it a bit each time and then going away and letting my brain process it, it's kind of, it's the same thing as a motor learning. Let's say if you just give you just, cause there's like, I'm not the best at calisthenics in terms of like high rep, but like relatively, but like skills, like balancing and all that, not the mm -hmm. best. And so always trying to unlock some skills. And in terms of motor learning, it's just like languages. Do a little bit, walk away, let your brain process, do a little bit, walk away. But yeah, there's definitely trans, no pun intended, but you can translate some, some concepts, definitely. So that's, that's cool. Let's, let's talk about the fitness and the business side of it in relation to that. When it comes to learning a language, you said, you know, do a little bit, come back, do a little bit. And that's just building that habit of continuously practicing it, right? And you have a client, and now maybe I'm asking this from a selfish reason, but if you have a client that's trying to lose weight, somebody in their midlife, 45-year-old male or female, they're trying to lose weight, but they're busy entrepreneurs. Maybe they work at home and they, you know, they have kid responsibilities, aging parents. Is there some small habits that you get them to start with when you're helping them with their fitness? Yeah. So, I mean, this, the research is in, in terms of not being sedentary versus being active. And so you can kind of combine that. So and not being sedentary, you know, we all know what being active is. You should be active. And in terms of the science, about 150 to uh, 300 minutes of moderate to vigorous cardiovascular exercise, or about 75 minutes of vigorous exercise, that's per week. And then about two strength training sessions, two stretching sessions per week. That's according to the Canadian Society of Exercise Physiology, the gold standard in Canada. Now, that's in terms of being active, in terms of being not sedentary, it's getting up every 20 minutes for about 90 seconds. So I talk to my clients, if they're too busy, I say, well, why don't you, you know, and it's, there's also research in terms of doing, of going for about a 10 minute walk after every meal. If you eat three meals a day, that's 90 minutes. That's sorry. That's 30 minutes of walking per day. That gets you to 210 minutes of at least moderate walking right. every week. And so, you know, I do this sometimes during the, during the weekend, sometimes I'm working on my business, but I don't feel like doing a hard out session. So I'll get up every 20 minutes and instead of just not being sedentary, I'll actually just do a, I'll do a strength training movement, maybe with my bands or with the kettlebells or something or or whatever for 90 seconds. And I do that throughout the day. So if you're like an entrepreneur in your home base and you have that flexibility with your job, 
you should really give that a try. Try walking for 10 minutes if you have that opportunity. And then also maybe every 20 minutes break up because your body, I mean, there's, there's also the fact that we say that, you know, our attention spans are 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then here we are. The research in terms of physiology is that every 20 minutes, the markers, the blood markers, triglycerides, blood sugar starts to go up. It starts to change at 20 minutes. It's literally like your physiology is telling you to get up and move. I'm not meant to sit around for that long. There's also research saying that human beings are supposed to move around for eight hours moderately, like yeah. very moderately, yeah. but we can't all do that. So that's the other, the other option that I'm giving you, I think helps to mitigate the fact that modernity has us sitting around. Yeah. As an entrepreneur myself, you know, I work at the computer a lot. And so, you know, eight, 10 hour days are normal for me. And I've got a smartwatch or any watch would work that has a timer. But now this is where it starts to get a little bit, your mind starts to wonder like, which direction do I go? Because there's studies that show that if you want to get into flow and deep work, that you need to sit in a session for 90 minutes. But then from a health mm-hmm. perspective, <laughs> we're saying that you need to get up every 20 minutes. And yes, I understand it's 90 seconds. So do you think those two can coexist at the same time? Like getting into flow where you're working on a certain task for 90 minutes, but also getting up every 20 minutes and working? Or do you think they're opposed to each other? You know, I, that's, a, that's a good one. I think that one thing we can do is look at it in, in a more holistic sense. Mm-hmm. And I think also I've been trying and it's hard. It's a new muscle that I'm trying to really get good at is I tried to not even have music, like not even instrumental music now. Okay. Uh, really working that muscle, I think will help. And looking at it in a holistic sense, there's also the Pomodoro method, which kind of coincides more with, uh, with the timer of 20 minutes on, three minutes or whatever, t- you know, 20 minutes on, a few minutes break. 90 seconds, 90 minutes is very interesting to me. I wouldn't really find myself having that much of an issue breaking it up every 20 minutes and then maybe have a long, because also the Pomodoro says, I think after four, yeah, you take a 10 minute break. I think it's five so, in between and then 15 for the long break. Okay. 15. So that would kind of coincide more with your 90 minute, but with the tiny little breaks in between, you know, I, I can, I can get in that full state too. That's definitely true in terms of 90 seconds. So I think if the I think it's kind of up in the air now. I would rather honestly get up every, every once in a while. It, it, it's hard though. You know, I understand because you're like, you get in the zone right. and then you want to get up. But I really think that people over the very long term, if you have that sedentary job and if you're, you know, you, you really need to figure out how to, how to build in activity into your life. These aren't like, it's not like all or none. It's not necessarily you have to do the 20 minute thing where you have to do the 150 minutes or the 200, 300, you know, find what works for you, but incorporate it. Don't, you know, too many people I'm running into who who don't incorporate anything and they're so far gone and they're in their fifties. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, let's, 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 let's take a step back now. So there's a lot of people in these spaces that I'm, that I'm running into a lot of, that are trying to help people in the workspace, which I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What do you think of standing desks? I think they're awesome. I think they're awesome. I would rather also incorporate a standing desk with a treadmill, with a treadmill that doesn't have bars, like a low treadmill. Okay. Okay. Because I, I personally like to, standing is kind of hard for humans. Yes. Like to just stand in one spot. 
in one spot and not move your limbs. I think that's kind of, that's kind of hard for a lot of people, especially if you have back problems. But if you're at least, you know, you know it does, if you're moving at like 0.5, you know, just a slow walk to just keep the, the limbs moving. And then all of a sudden you're at 15,000 steps at the end of the day, 20,000 steps. And you don't even have to do that 10 minutes after dinner or go yeah. to the gym or anything. So standing desks are amazing. I think, honestly, businesses should really look into this. I know the profits won't necessarily be showing in within like, you know, uh, a week or a quarter or whatever. But over the long term, like 20, 30 years, if you have employees that can have a standing desk, if they could do that, if they have a treadmill, maybe you give them some bands, throw them, they could have some bands in their office, let them dress not business schedule, but like athleisure, not having a meet, you know, so that people can get those little nuggets of exercise. I think really companies should start looking at it in a more holistic sense. And your employees, they're going to be more productive. They're going to be ecstatic. A lot, a lot of them, some of them might not, might not be their staff. A lot of them to not have to go to the gym because, oh, I, I got 26,000 steps just while working at my desk today. Also, things to, things to consider. Yeah. Amazing. Now, it, it, some people are probably really hesitant to change, right? They say, well, you know, this is what I've always been doing and I, and I go for my one workout a week. Let's talk a little bit about the behavior change side of it because you, you learned this, you studied behavior change. Is it as simple as just telling somebody you need to do it and they do it? I'm sure there's more to it than that. No, it's definitely talking to somebody and figuring out what, what their why is. So the behavior chain coaching certification that I got it's out of IOFBC, it's out of London, the Institute of Fitness Behavior Change, established by Tim Drummond. And he was a personal trainer. He had a client training, client wouldn't necessarily do their homework every single week. And he would meet him once a week, maybe twice a week. And he finally sat him down, started coaching him rather than training him. And he developed this. And there's different, different bodies have different behavior change coaching certifications, starting to grow in the kinesiology and personal training space. I have a 12-week program. And so, you know, we start big, you know, look at rather than like taking pictures of rather than like counting calories, take pictures of your meals, just do more exercise than you did the week before a little like very broad things. So if you, the analogy of when you have a bucket, you got to put the boulders or the big rocks in and the pebbles and the sand. So we, that's the, the theme and the, how it progresses throughout those 12 weeks and interspersed throughout those 12 weeks. There are different coaching tools. So, you know, helping people to figure out who they are, uh, what are their goals? So what is their outcome goal? What is their behavior goal? Outcome goal is more like, I want to lose 10 pounds. Behavior goal is I want to be exercising X amount of time per week. We do these different values assessments. So what are your values? Who you envision yourself to be? Who you envision yourself to become? What are some limiting beliefs, right? And then what are some reasons why things will work for you? So all these different... Um, Coaching tools throughout the 12 weeks helps to give that person that sense of why, and it helps them to adhere and to maintain the, uh, the, the transformation that's occurring after those 12 weeks. That's amazing. So the, these aren't quick fixes. 12 weeks is, is a duration, right? It's not just like three weeks and then you lost weight and then you go back to gaining weight again. Can you share if, if you have any success stories? whether or not you want to add names to it, but do you have any success stories about somebody that you've worked with that's really shown the effect of this? Yeah, absolutely. My one client, I've got some posts about him on my Facebook and LinkedIn. He is amazing. He was my personal training 
clients for about a year, didn't really progress that much in terms of weight loss. And then what we did was we added on another training session per week and the behavior change coaching. This was 17 weeks ago. So the first 12 weeks, he lost 30 or something. And now he's, he's probably weighed in today. Yesterday, we had our behavior change coaching session and he was at 46 pounds in 17 weeks. So yeah, he's doing really good. So he's been my poster child, I guess, in terms of this program. So yeah, he re-upped. So we're a few weeks into the second 12-week sessions. We have different markers. It's not about just BMI. BMI is not the be-all and end-all. You have to at least look at BMI with waist circumference. And then you can look at like waist to height ratio, which he's in the healthy range now. It's 0.45 to 0.55 in terms of your waist circumference to your height. So it should be roughly okay. half. And just uh, to explain maybe what BMI is, if somebody doesn't know. Oh, yeah. So the body mass index is kilograms over meters squared. So it's looking at your mass over your volume. You need to look at it with waist circumference because LeBron James is over, overweight. He's obese, technically. And you look at him, he's made out of granite. So you have to look at it with waist circumference. Different population groups have different bone densities, muscle densities. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, my BMI is 28. Well, what does that mean? Like, look at you here fit. So it doesn't really correlate. So people don't get too worried about that. And of course, you have to look at, he's going to take his blood pressure. Like I'm sure it's going to be a lot lower. His rest, resting heart rate is very important. So his is 70. So that's, that's in the healthy range. 60 to hundred for resting is good. Really athletic people might have a resting heart rate in the, in the high forties. So it, it, yeah. And then you, blood work too. So you've got to look at everything. It's not just weight. People are very stuck on that number, but it's not everything. How you're performing too. How are you performing? Are you progressing in your, in your movements? And how do you feel? How are you sleeping? You got to look at everything. I used to exercise a lot when I was in school and that was a regular thing for me. And I think back on it now, university, I did engineering in university and it was demanding. There was a lot of schoolwork. There was a lot of homework afterward. And in hindsight, the exercise is probably what helped me with the energy levels of being able to keep up and cope with all of that. As I got older and I, you know, started working in a professional corporate job, I wasn't exercising nearly as much and my energy tanked. Then I left my job, became an entrepreneur about 11 years ago, and I started exercising again. So clearly exercise has an impact on energy. And you've yeah. talked about the gold standard, right? Is every day of the week you're moving and some days you're stretching, some days you're doing weight training. Somebody wasn't ready to jump in and work with you. Is there a self-guided way for them to do that, that you have, that you can, you know, lead them through a routine? Maybe it's, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe it's 12 weeks, but is there a way that they can do it self-guided with your help, but without one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah, definitely. Even if they just want to do one session with me or two sessions with me and I could assess where they are, give them a program and they could run with it. I could tell them to get to this amount and then you know, this, this type of workload, this amount of reps, and then maybe they revisit it. That's one way in terms of the personal training. And then in terms of the behavior change, yeah, I do have a self-paced version of my program on my PT Distinction app portal, which it's an app on the app stores. And they can do it on their own with my videos and all of the coaching tools are included. So giving people different levels of service, and that's something that I'm building into my business. Okay, that's awesome. We'll put a link down in the show notes for that. Is there a target demographic that you like working with? Like, is it moms that stay home with their kids? Is it 
you know, want to be athletes? Is there a certain demographic that you really enjoy? And yeah, I'm thinking in terms of age range, people in my age range, I'm 44. So people in between 40 and 50, I've done a lot of networking on Zooms and there was a lot of independent professional women. So I've worked with them a lot for the past year, still working with them a lot. And then I've been angling my, yeah, my posts and my marketing to men a lot because they're not getting the service that they need to. I'm, I'm working right now with both men and women between 40 and 50 who are busy professionals, especially home-based professionals. That's, that's where I'm, I'm at because that's where I am. And that's whom I enjoy working with. So it's been great working with these individuals and seeing the changes. That's cool. Love the fact that you've got this background in language. You've traveled to Japan, your, your current business. What do you do when you're not working? What's your hobby or things that you enjoy doing outside of work? Languages. <laughs> Is it yeah. languages? Okay. Languages. Even when I play, yeah, it's, I, I've not been really busy with my work. So it's been like dwindling a bit, even though I still get my micro studies sessions in. Right. Because it's, it's just, I'm at such a cusp with these languages that I really want to get somewhere with them. So they're, they're just a passion of my long walks. I love walking. And I, when I walk, I don't even listen to anything. I used to listen to podcasts, but now I just, I let my brain just ruminate and defragment. I've had this video game that I played and I played in French just so I'm not wasting my time. Awesome. You know what I mean? That's perfect. So trying to do things where you're not uh, totally expending your time on, on, you know, frivolous stuff. I think that's, that's important. You know, I mean, I'm at that point where I'm like, let's go, you know, time is the most important resource that we have. And so, yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. That, thanks for sharing. Are, are there any books that you're reading right now that you can recommend? Well, I'm not reading any books right now, but I've got some books right here that I have read mm -hmm. and here's three. Obviously, and of course, I read it in Spanish. Rich yeah. Dad, Poor Dad. Of course, yeah. That was a good one. And this is a good one. Happy Pocket Full of Money. This is more of the energetic side of money. Who's, Who's the author on that one? David Cameron Gikandi. G-I-K-A-N-D-I. Okay. -I. Happy a good Pocket one. Full of Money. Okay. And then The Big Leap. Yes. That's a great book. I haven't actually seen that in such a long time, but Gay Hendricks. Tell us a little bit about that. That's one of my favorite books, actually. It's really about making the big leap in your life and not getting stuck with these limiting beliefs. You can't get anywhere that you won't find that person, that partner, that like partner and whatnot. So that is a good book. I really recommend it to reread it, though. It did have an impression. That's a great one. So big leap, happy, pocket full of money and rich dad, poor dad. Great suggestions. Is there something that your friends would be surprised to learn about you that they don't already know? Hmm, that's a good one. Well, I guess like my my friends, my friends from high school and 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 whatnot. I'd love to take them to Japan and tell them stories about my life there, my three years there. Because I mean, I was twenty seven when I went, twenty something when I went there, twenty nine I think when I left. So I was like, wow. I'll, I just spent 10 years of my life in this. I would tell my Japanese coworkers, like, I just spent 10 years of my life here. 10 years, sorry, not 10 years, 10%. 10%, yes. I'm like, wow, that's, that's a lot. And it's just so, so many things that, you know, happen there that I could just take them around Fukushima City, Osaka, you know, Tokyo, and just, just tell them stories. Like, like when I went to Tokyo and I was there with my my, my, two, my two Brit friends and my Kiwi friend, we were going to, going out for eating at a teacher's 
teachers uh, conference and we, it was just lunchtime. So, and I'm a Haitian descent and here I am walking down the street and I see this Haitian, a Haitian restaurant in Tokyo. I was like, what is going on here? So I was like, guys, I know where we're eating. We're eating right here. Yeah. Like, cause you know, my friends have had my mom's food and, and whatnot. So, awesome. and it was obviously not, nothing like what my mother has, you know, but yeah. it's the attempt. Oh, and I was teasing the cooks, you know, I'm like, you got pressure, you got a Haitian here. So real deal. Time. That's funny. That's funny. Do you eat sushi at all? Not as much as I did. So the train stations in Japan, like all the small towns, cause it's all like one corridor, right? Yeah. They really protect their wildlife. Like Japan's is like a corridor of, of, of uh, cities Interesting. along the train line all the way down. Cause Japan's like this, this long archipelago, right? So every train station is also a mall. Oh, well, not every train The Sorry. The main train station in each town is also a mall. Okay. And so there also, there's also a Kaiten sushi usually, which just means the revolving sushi Kaiten. Okay. So I would get two nigiri sushi for like for 100 yen, 150 yen for 200 yen. So about two bucks. Okay. So I would eat that all the time at the train station. I don't eat too much sushi here since I've been back, but I do like it. I mean, I lived in Vancouver for five years and they really, those sushi restaurants really jazz it up. Like it's a lot simpler there in Japan. And you just go, it's just really simple. Rice, fish. But yeah, no, I don't eat it like I did. I love it. My, my favorite uh, Japanese entree would probably be katsukare, which is rice, Japanese curry, because they imported curry in the early 1900s from India. Okay. And it integrated into their culinary foods, right? So rice, curry with like potatoes and carrots and pork or something, or chicken. And then the pork cutlet, which is like a fried pork cutlet breaded on the side. Absolutely delicious. And it's making me hungry. And then I'm going to go for a workout. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you or learn more about you, where can they do that? Well, they can email me at my, my simple email. It's sjg at sjgfit.com. Okay. They can email me to that one and they can find me on LinkedIn. Sarjajil, no hyphen, S-A-R-T-R-E-J-E-A-N-G-I-L-L-E-S. That's my LinkedIn or Sarjajil at Facebook or Sarjajil on Instagram or SJG Fitness. I just changed my handle at SJG Fitness on YouTube. All right. Perfect. We'll put all of those in the show notes here. So if anybody wanted, they can just click on it. Yeah. Wonderful. This has been really fun and it was nice to learn more about you and your adventures through life. It's exciting and I appreciate your time so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Anita. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too.